This morning, uh, Steve has asked me to read from Paul's letter to the Ephesians uh, in chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Uh, It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And Paul wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning uh, with many thanksgivings. Uh, We are thankful for another beautiful day on your creation. We are thankful for the ability to come together and to worship you uh, as this body of believers. And we are thankful of you uh, sending us uh, Steve to deliver us this message. Uh, We ask that Uh, Your spirit guides him and gives him the words that uh, this congregation needs to hear and that we can use this lesson uh, to edify ourselves and become the people that you need us to be. And most of all, Father, we are thankful for your son, Jesus, and the sacrifice that he made for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I love that powerful feeling. Your voice just projects everywhere. Good morning. That's pretty good. You guys are on it today. He wasn't wrong. That's a strong good morning. I'm feeling it up here. If I had hair, it would have blown back. (laughs) Yours is curly, so it stayed in place as well. Anyway, um, I am very glad to be here today. And I don't know. I'm kind of out of it most of the time anyway. But... um, I rejoice, and maybe everybody knows this, but um, Matt, Kelsey's friend, her, his mom got baptized. This what was it? A couple days ago? Where did Kesley go? There you are. Well, a couple days ago, right? Last weekend. See, I'm out of it, but that's amazing good news, and I just wanted to share it with you because I didn't know that. So, anyway, I'm sorry I called you Kesley from the pulpit. That's the way I have fun. Um, I appreciate every, every uh, the communion talk today and the prayers and everything. It has been a difficult couple of weeks, I think, for a lot of people. Amen? If you're not in the amen crowd, it's been a difficult couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I... I just want to, this is an aside because I haven't gone down. And by the way, thank you for the vents up here to keep your preacher cool. It's good. I won't wear any skirts anymore. That's, I'm done with that. No more skirts. But <laughs> um, I do want to encourage everyone. Um, this is an aside. But, you know, we don't have to feel awesome before we come to church. We don't have to be in the greatest mood or on cloud nine or anything like that. We come here to support each other. We don't have to have a song on our lips, but we do have joy in our hearts because we're Christians, and that's the important difference. Right? Christians? Because I think it's one of those things that plagues churches that... Everybody just walks in, they're like, 
I'm having a great day. How about you? God bless you, brother. And you're like, man, I'm not like those people. Those people are, are drinking happy juice or something. Let's hope they're not drinking, drinking happy juice during services. But um, yeah, I was, uh, we were talking in class this morning and uh, pe- different people are having a hard time. And I'm going to set the example. I mean, I don't have anything going. I'm like the most blessed person I know, but for whatever reason, it's just uh, been a rough couple of weeks. And that's okay, because the love that you guys show to me helps me, and God helps me. God's presence in my life helps me, and I don't want anyone to feel like they have to walk in here and be something or act like something they're not, because this is your family, all right? This is your family, and I don't have anything bad going on right now. I don't know. But it's been a difficult time. It's been a difficult time. But um, that was an aside. So we welcome everybody who is uh, having a difficult time because that's why we need to be here so that when you're not having a hard time, you can encourage those who are and we can all work together to get through this stuff. Amen? All right. In that regard, I want to talk today about love and worry. Those are two great tastes that don't taste great together. And you're like, well, Steve, I'm one of those people that I just don't experience worry. First of all, I'd like to say congratulations. Secondly, I'd like to say stop lying. Because if you say you don't deal with worry, and I know people who say, I don't worry about anything. Uh Well, then I guess you're just... Um, you don't really need to read your Bible or pray or anything, right? Because if you remember the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about the different things that end up causing people to die spiritually. Some of them never get planted in the first place. Some of them, the soil isn't prepared. But I've seen this a lot in my life where the weeds come in and choke out the plant and kill it. So you can say, I don't worry. Okay, well then let's change the word from worry to you have concerns. If people didn't have concerns, no one would die spiritually. We all have concerns. We have things that are on our minds. Things that bother us. Things that make us worry. I don't worry, Steve. Okay, I already told you to stop lying. Um... And worry is a plague in our world. And worry is something that I've been thrown around by um, in my life. Satan has used that like um, my dog playing with her stuffed bunny, just swinging me around and throwing me around the room. And I know I'm not the only one. And while therapy is good, I... I think it's very valuable to have there are therapeutic things we can do for worry. There's other things more fundamental that all of us need to do about worry because there's a lot of things that might cause us to worry. And as Satan gets 
more and more a hold of things around him, which that's what he does all the time, is he just tries to get hold of things. He's going to try to scare you. He's going to try to make you sad. He's going to try to make you worry. Because all these things turn you from the things that God built you to do to the things you end up doing because you feel like you have to to stay safe. And this is an absolute epidemic in our world. It's an epidemic. And I'm not going to solve it with today's lesson, but I do want to bring up some important things. Of course, when it comes to healing anything in our body, in our mind, in our soul, the best healing comes through Jesus Christ from the Father above. And that healing is greater than any physician, any therapist, any medication, any regime can do. God can do miraculously what no one else can do. That's the ultimate source of healing. And I want to share with you some words today about that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. And it sounds like I've heard people say, well, you're worrying. You just need to stop. Thank you so much. Wow, you're a lifesaver. I didn't know I could just stop. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Let's be, let's, he is saying stop, but he's not just saying stop without any help. Starting in verse 22, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now you notice he says, be anxious, because we can't help having fear. Fears come at us. God gave us fear to keep us alive. If there's a car coming down the road and it's a big truck that can't stop and you're in the middle of the road, God uses fear to motivate you to get out of the road. So that's a good thing. But as everything, Satan will try to use all the good things God gave us against us. So fear, we can't help, but anxiety... We can control. He says, verse 23, because life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. There's a lot more to your life than, than food and clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Okay, and people say, well... Here's the thing, though. Birds die. And you know what? I still have a job I have to do. Yeah, but here's the, I can tell you one thing birds don't do is birds don't sit around worrying. You're not going to see a raven with a drinking problem. Just doesn't happen that I'm aware of. Just kidding. It doesn't happen. Jesus' point is, yeah, they have their job to do. They do it. They eat and they're filled. And how does all that come about? Because God cares about birds. He does. He cares about birds. 
Jesus continues on. Here's the flip side. How many of you, by sitting there and being anxious and get curling up into a ball crying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? That's the, that's the hard thing. That's the hard pill to swallow. Is that, you know what? There are things in this life that we just can't do anything about. So Jesus is offering a two-fold approach here. One, you do your job and you can count on God to do His job. Secondly, stop listening to Satan tell you that if you just thought hard enough and worked hard enough, you could control everything in your life. I think it's good to exercise. Clearly, I'm big on exercise. That was hurtful. Why would you? (laughs) But the thing about exercise, a lot of people do it thinking that they know that they're statistically going to prolong their life. But I see that become people exercising and eating healthy and doing all these things. And I can tell they're doing it so that they can keep death at bay. They can keep old age at bay. It's going to catch up with you eventually. And you don't know. You could be just a couple years older than I am and just suddenly pass away. It's going to catch up with you. Death is not something you can keep at bay with the right diet and exercise. There's some things you can't control. Jesus says in verse 26, so if you're not even able to do such a small thing as adding a day to your life, why why are you trying to worry about the rest? I put this in simple terms for those of you who are visual people. If you've spent all your time worrying, let me just ask you a simple question. How's that working out? Is that working out well for you? Is it filling your life full of joy and happiness and peace and you're meeting all of your goals? Do I need to change the picture? It's too distracting. But honestly, that's... I don't know, when I saw that picture, I, when I was at my worst, when I was trying to Christian and just wasn't trusting God to be God. I felt like that. I felt like I just face-planted on the cement, and a dog just came sat on my head. That's a funny way of putting it. In reality, it was a lot sadder than that. But God has taught me a thing or two since then. And it all comes down to who is God. Um... Let's read more of the verse. Verse 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They don't toil or spin. But I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So if God clothes the grass this way, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? I can't believe he said that. He told me I have little faith. 
You do have little faith. You have little faith in God's love. And that's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Belief in God, understanding of and belief in God's love is the most powerful antidote to worry and anxiety. And that's what Jesus is saying. And he's using harsh words the same way I sometimes raise my voice slightly when I'm preaching. Okay, I yell. It's because it's frustrating to think of how much pain I've gone through and how much pain people in the world are going through simply because they don't understand God's love. And we need to, we need to get upset about all the pain that's caused in the world because people are choosing not to sit down with God and say, okay, God, help me understand your love because I don't get it. He says in verse 29, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Because all the nations in the world, and he's speaking to Jews at this point, a contemporization of this would be all the, the, the people who are not God's children in the world, all the people who reject God, spend their time looking for food and clothes and money and ways to be safe and fill their storehouses full of riches. They're all spending their time looking for these things. But it, 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 he continues, it's not like your father doesn't know that you need these things. God is not stupid. God created you. Do you think he doesn't know that you need these things? So what is it? You think he doesn't know or you think he doesn't care? That's what Jesus is asking. And Jesus knows, because He is God in the flesh, that you can't just stop worrying. If I tell you to stop worrying, you're going to be like, okay, I'm not worrying. Everybody on the count of three, stop worrying. That doesn't work. Jesus understands something that therapists understand is you can't get rid of a behavior, you can only replace a bad behavior with a good behavior. So Jesus doesn't say, well, stop worrying. He says, instead of worrying, why don't you spend your day seeking God's kingdom? And those things will be added to you by God. You get that? If you spend your time going, oh, what, 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 what about, what if, I, what if people get mad and then, and then, every, then everything will be ruined? Okay, stop it. Stop it. The whole point of God being your Father is that He takes care of you. I was this way a little bit as a kid. Other kids are this way where they do stuff like, hey, did you fill the car up with gas? What are you, nine? It's my job to fill the car up with gas. It's your job to go to school and learn how to be a good person and learn how to make friends and learn kindness and things like that. Why don't you let me worry about the stuff that's my job and you worry about the stuff that's your job? 
And that's the downside that each one of us wants to be God of our own universe. Well, my God wouldn't do that. My God wouldn't say that. Well, you don't get to pick from God's. You don't get to build your own. This is not Build-A-Bear. This is reality. God is God, no matter what you think of Him. So let God, the downside to that is, since you put yourself in the place of God, you give yourself that power, you also give yourself that responsibility. And that's a responsibility you can't handle. Because you're just not capable of doing the things that you need. You can't provide for yourself all the things that you need. God can't. So let Him do His job. So I'm going to get, we're going to go a little bit deeper here. And why do people not believe in God's love? Well, I can tell you because I live there. Some days I still stray back there, I'll be honest. It's a lesson God has tried to teach me. But our own experiences in our lives change how we see God. So it's okay if you don't believe in God's love. That's something God can help you with. Depending on what you've experienced in life, who your parents were, things like that, you may or may not understand God the way He truly is. That's okay. One of the objections people bring up is, well, I know God takes care of those that He loves, but... I have not been a good boy. I have not been a good girl. So I got to expect God to punish me. Or at the very least, let me suffer to teach me a lesson. Okay, there are a couple verses in the Bible where it says for those who are simply rebelling against God, who want to be on team Satan, go ahead and let Satan shake him around like a toy in a dog's mouth until he discovers he wants out of the dog's mouth. But that's a far cry from a vindictive, you know, arbitrary, mercurial God who every time you do something wrong, he's like, oh, fine, that's it! Get out! God is not that Father. God is not that Father. You know, he sent his son to die because we haven't, because I haven't been a good boy. You get that? God's love is bigger than my rebelliousness, because God is always willing to take us back, even on the smallest excuse. And don't let Satan. Take away God's gift. God sent His Son so that you don't have to live in guilt. And living in guilt means living in fear. Are you with me? Guilt leads to fear. If you're living in guilt, then you're living in fear because those who are guilty will be punished. The good news of the Gospel is we are guilty There's no punishment. And that's so hard to believe. What does God have to do? Become flesh? Come down to earth? 
let himself be tortured to death? Would that convince you? Would that convince you of how much he loves you? Would that convince you of how anxious he is to say, look, come on home. I want to take care of you. What does God have to do to say, look, I got you. But God, I haven't been, shh. Took care of that. But I'm really sorry. Okay, shh. You said you were sorry. That's it. We don't need to, we don't need to go any farther than that. I know you're going to do better. You're going to try to do better. With my help, I'll help you do better. That's the way we should treat our kids, by the way. When they do something wrong, they get the consequences for it, right? But we don't go, you know what? You're not eating for the next week. And you know what? No shoes either. You get no shoes this week because you have made me angry. That's not the way it works. Of course I'm always going to love you and take care of you. You may not enjoy the consequences that you're getting, but those will be over and I'll help you through it. Right? God's a much better parent than I am, and even I'm that good to my children. So what do you think God is to you? Luke 15, verses 4 through 7. Jesus said, what, which one of you guys, if you had a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 sheep in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his neighbors and his friends and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. What is he saying there? He's saying... You're one of God's little lambs. You're precious to Him. You're precious to Him. If the birds are precious to Him that are not created in His image, how much more are those created in His image precious to Him? You get that? God cares about whether or not you're doing all right. Oh, I yelled. See, there it goes again. But listen, you don't seem to get this. God cares about whether or not you're doing all right. He doesn't want you to be punished. Sometimes you have to face consequences. But God's not like, oh, I'm going to show you. That's not what He wants. You're precious to Him. He just wants to hold you and take care of you. Do you get that? I didn't, and i got to be honest, sometimes I still don't. I thought preachers were, but oh, you, you don't know preachers then. That's something I've struggled with my whole life. 
And I'm telling this, this to me and to everyone else too. You're precious to God. He wants to take care of you. He's not going to stop being your God because you're not perfect. That's the whole point of Him sending His Son. You have nothing to worry about. You have nothing to worry about. Well, how many days do I have to pray? You don't have to walk on glass through your knees. You don't have to do anything but say, God, help me. That's it. And move on from there. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us. God, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I want your help. I may have gotten ahead of myself a little bit there. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Verses 16 through 19. I'm going to back up a little bit, so you should have brought your Bible. Verse 13. By this we know that we abide in Him, and that He abides in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be Savior of the world, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he abides in God. Confess with me, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You abide in him, and he abides in you. There you go. Very good. Do you read that right there? Verse 15? Right? Am I making this up? No. Verse 16. So we have, because we have His Spirit in us, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. If you're not believing, let God's Spirit flow through you. Throw away what you think you want. Throw away what you think you're supposed to do. Seek first His kingdom. Seek first the being full of the Holy Spirit so that you can come to know and come to believe the love that God has for you. Because God, he continues, is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. This is how love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we. Also, so are we in the world. Think a big part of who He is? Is a Son of God, free from sin. By the grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Whoever fears is a bad person who needs to be punished. No. 
That's backwards. That's backwards, backwards, backwards. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So what do we do? We talk to God and say, God, what do you need me to do so that I can be perfected in love? That's what you do. You seek first His kingdom. That's what you do. Verse 19, we love because He first loved us. Do you get that? That important addition there at the end? We love God not so that He will love us. We don't seek His kingdom so that we will be saved. We seek His kingdom because God saved us when we confessed His name and were baptized into Him. You with me? Or Steve, you're saying that you can't fall? No. Actually, I am saying you can't fall away. Fall away is like, whoopsie, that's like me going down the stairs. Don't wish that on me. It would be funny, but painful. You can't fall away like, whoopsie, I was a Christian just a minute ago. No. You can walk away from God, though. You can rebel against God. But there's no whoopsie. God is bigger than whoopsie. Put that on a pillow. Stitch it. At least Linda's laughing. That's all I need in life. All right, that's our last verse. Ephesians 1, and Christian read this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Okay. God chose us from the beginning of time, so that means once I'm saved, then I don't have to worry about it. I'm just saved. No. No, I'm not saying that either. Stop. (laughs) We should stop trying to make God simple. God is easy But God is more complex than the universe. The point is, God doesn't exist in time. The reason he's saying this is not saying that since he chose us before the foundation of time, then there's nothing we can do wrong. Yes, you can. You can walk away from God. You can rebel against God. Of course there's something you can get. The reason Paul is writing this is to say, you are more precious to him than anything in this world. You're more precious than that little lamb. That's what he's trying to get across. Do you get that? You're not just someone that came in. Oh, I can. there's a thousand more of you. No, that's not the way it is. God chose you. Is this making sense? God chose you. It's a big deal to Him. And of course, if you're chosen, you can refuse. You can refuse to obey. You can refuse to be a kid. At some point, a kid does get kicked out of the house, right? (laughs) You know? But parents are, we have to call it tough love because parents, they just, we can't bring ourselves to kick a kid out of the home. That's why we call it tough love. God has 
tough love for us, but he loves you more than you love your children. All right. Um, Verse 5, a little bit of verse 4. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That's beautiful, isn't it? The love God has for you is bigger than you can understand. And God cares what happens to you. And He's not looking to have you drug through the mud and beat up with sticks and left starving on a mountaintop to teach you a lesson. Would you do that? No. So you think God is more evil than that? Okay, Janie says he would. Non-verbally. No, I'm just kidding. You think God is more evil than that? He, he wants you to really suffer so that you'll learn your lesson? No. God wants you to grow, and He'll do what's necessary. He will do what's necessary. And He will not allow you to live in rebellion in His house. But God has got you. God is taking care of you. So worry is reasonable on the outside, but let God heal you of that worry. You should be able to walk out of here knowing that everything is going to be all right. Because it is. And ultimately, everything is going to be all right because Jesus will come and redeem the world. There will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more saying goodbye because... Jesus has redeemed creation and redeemed us, and that's beautiful. If you want to be redeemed this morning, confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God, become baptized, and we can do that. And if you need prayers of the church, if you're dealing with worry, if you're having a bad time, and you're not the preacher, and you don't get to stand up here and tell everyone what's on your mind, well, come down and tell us, okay? And we'll pray with you. Come forward right now as we stand and we sing this song.